Hello everyone. Before we start today's podcast, some exciting news for you. You can experience the Inside Politics podcast live in Dublin on May 16th when Hugh Linehan, Jennifer Bray and I will be joined by Cliff Young of Ipsos, one of America's top pollsters, to talk about the US election, our own local and European elections and much more. It's a breakfast event kicking off at 8am in Trinity College. If you'd like to attend, you can get tickets at irishtimes.com forward slash events. That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. You're listening to the Irish Times Inside Politics podcast. It's Wednesday the 24th of May and you're very welcome to the weekly politics podcast from the Irish Times. With me in studio today, Fine Gael TD for Dublin Bay South, Kate O'Connell, along with our own Pat Leahy. And we're going to be joined in a few minutes by Faith Kelly from our political staff who was up at a Coveney rally in Cavan, as I believe you were as well, Kate, yesterday evening. Uh, just a week ago, we sat in this studio anticipating the race that was just about to get underway for the leadership of Fine Gael. I don't think many anticipated that that contest would be deemed effectively over within a few short days but that appears to be the received wisdom right now. We're going to be examining that along with other issues which the leadership campaign has raised so far. But first, I have to be honest, Pat, I'm looking at the front page of this morning's Irish Times, which has Simon Carswell's report from Manchester, and it kind of puts these political matters into some perspective. Well, I suppose it does, yes. That's not to say that politics and government isn't important, that the actions of government and who we choose to lead it isn't important. The first duty of government is the security and safety of its citizens. But in the world we live in now, it's difficult to see how governments, any governments, can satisfactorily protect all their citizens uh, against attacks of this nature. That is simply, I think, a fact of life uh, in in the West in the early 21st century. And it is brought home in, in terrible and graphic detail by the events of recent days. Indeed it is. And, you know, the Irish Times will continue to cover the aftermath of those shocking events on Monday night as they unfold over the rest of this week and further beyond that. But, Kate, to get to the matter at hand, you are a prominent Simon Coveney supporter and I suppose I have to ask you, if this time last week you had had a crystal ball or maybe even one of those Saudi Arabian glowing globes <laughs> and you'd had the ability to look into the future and you'd seen what was going to unfold over the following two or three days, what would you have said to Simon Coveney to do differently? Well, um, Simon Coveney does things his own way, number one. And um, I suppose I wasn't overly shocked at what happened um, towards the end of last week. I mean, I didn't expect such a tsunami. I did expect to get, you know, a little little bit wet in the whole thing, but not a complete uh, tsunami coming at us. But um, no, I wasn't surprised at it. It was a bit of a wallop. But um, I think uh, the whole way, I suppose, Simon... Uh, gathered himself and the team got together and we decided to fight on and um, I mean I was very much aware from doing the review of the general election for Fine Gael um, of what way people were feeling down the country and um, I go down home to Westmeath and I do a few meetings and I go down to Clare and I go down to um, I've done meetings in Cavan Monaghan chaired AGMs and that so I'm very much aware of I suppose what's going on around the country with members and immediately it was apparent to me that the members were not one bit happy that um, I suppose a, a, an alleged democratic process 
was was essentially just being like ripped asunder, and that their vote would would not would not count. Is that what it is? Is, is <clears> that a, is, is there an undermining of the democratic process? I mean, I was talking to somebody just before I came in here, and I was saying, is it a bit like one of those, you know, those elections they used to have in uh, Warsaw Pact states in the in the sixties and seventies, where the party congress makes a decision and then it's acclaimed by the membership afterwards? Well, you, well, you see, if, if you look back to what our actual fundamental role is as TDs, we're chock the dolly, we're messengers of people, and you know, why are you in a party, a political party? Um, unless you're engaged with you know, people who actually go get a membership card, pay the fee, go to meetings. People are really engaged. My family been engaged in politics as long as I'm on this earth. Um, so, you know, you're more engaged probably than the, the regular guy on the road. You're, you're, you just are that way. But if we as TDs are not actually doing our duty as being messengers of the people, sure, what are we at? to my mind. You know, we're supposed to be, and if you, like I was in Tipperary, um, I was in Tipperary Friday for a, a tea, I was in Tipperary, I don't know what night, must have been Saturday or Sunday night for something else. I was in Cork, I've been in Athlone, I've been in Cavan Monaghan. And I absolutely, You've definitely been getting up early Oh, I've been everywhere. I, I, well, <laughs> don't get up early every morning now. If I get a chance, uh, some mornings I pretend I'm up, but I'm actually not up. But um, I could be up sometimes at two in the morning, four in the morning, half six in the morning. <laughs> I might be in bed at half eleven in the morning too. So depending on what way things are at home, I mean, it's very obvious to me that there's a groundswell of support there for Simon Coveney out on the ground. What, I mean, the way he's performing at these rallies, he's, uh, he's no notes, he knows his brief, he has, he's been thinking about this, he has a vision for Ireland, he's delivering it. And like, they were really hard on him. Fiuk was there last night in Calvin Monaghan. They say Fiuk has just come, in, just come in the door to Tons us. Tons of questions yes, and really, really complex questions, questions and uh, well able to handle everything and anything he couldn't deal with right in the spot and committed to deal well, with. Well, let's get Fiuk's impartial, um, <laughs> impartial report from, from that meeting yeah, I last think, night. You know, I think what Kate says is right to some extent that there, there were a few questions from the floor. The, the, the kind of overwhelming stampede of the parliamentary party was raised and, you know, we are members and we deserve to be heard. First and foremost, how representative that gathering was of the wider party membership, I, I don't know because there were about 150 people there last night, 200 possibly perhaps, from different areas. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so a lot of them would have been from Fingal, where James Riley supports him. You were there, Kate. Marie Bailey was there. Other people were there. But Leitrim, Leitrim, Donegal, there were people, Sligo people. But it is a fact as well that you guys did walk up Mount Street on Thursday morning with a kind of group of parliamentarians around Simon Coven as well in something of a show of strength as well. So you cannot be completely innocent in saying, you know, this is a stampede of the parliamentarians over the membership because you guys tried the same thing mm. as well to a certain extent. I'm just struck like, you know, in recent days, Simon Coveney has said people pledged themselves to him and then betrayed him, which is probably not surprising. Did he use the word betray? Well, not betray. I wouldn't imagine Simon Coveney would ever use the word betray. That's that's my word. So are we quoting him? Are we quoting him? Are we making it up fake? So so much for the impartial. I was struck last night. You go to the Simon Coveney and I see this lovely piece of paper, this broad sheet newspaper called The National Leader, which says Coveney's plan to connect Ireland and the top left-hand corner says, on the team, page nine, and there's a picture of yourself, Kate, and Maria Bailey, and then Michael Creed and Maura Hopkins. Were they supposed to be on the team, but weren't? Well, no, that picture was actually, it's reference to the Fine Gael team, not the Simon Coveney team, if you know what I mean. That was an, I think that was at the at an, an app launch. The Fine Gael thing, that team, that's referring to rather than Simon right. Coveney's team. To, to the best of my knowledge, I had no dealings with... with Whatever about the use of the word betrayal, Fiac, did some people get turned? No doubt they did. Yeah, yeah. It's entirely plausible that people would ring Simon Coveney up on Friday and say, "Look, this train is moving. I have to get out of the station." And I was speaking to someone who didn't hadn't declared until this week, who didn't eventually vote for Simon Coveney, but, but who said that the pressure on Friday in particular was immense. There were people ringing up saying, "This is happening. 
you have to move now or else you're going to be left behind. And in any such election, in any amongst any group of politicians and a substantial part of the electorate for this are the politicians of the parliamentary party, there is always going to be a group in the middle who are torn about the choice that they, uh, that they have to make. You know, very few politicians will want to be on the losing side because of the implications that has for their, the potential implications for their career. And that is perhaps more of a consideration for some of them uh, than it is for others. But I think that the wave of support for uh, Leo Varadkar on the first day was clearly designed with that in mind to convince the waverers uh, in the middle that there was only one winner here. And if they wanted to be on Mm -hmm. that train, uh, as it left the station, they needed to get on people it. Like, like it seemed to me particularly striking in the first day or so that the uh, statement by Richard Bruton was that part of that plan as you understand it, or, or did that come out of left field as far as the? I can't speak to when Richard Bruton decided to support uh, Leo Varadkar or, or whatever. But having done so, clearly his statement, that of Pascal Donoghue, uh, that of a couple of other big hitters, were designed to generate that momentum, which they successfully did, leading to uh, the, the what, what Kate describes as the tsunami of support towards Leo Varadkar in, uh, in the early days, which have effectively, looking at the maths of it, ended this contest uh, as, uh, not, not quite ended this contest, but have given Leo Varadkar an, a lead that is unassailable unless something dramatic happens. Which causes now, Simon to flip again. Coveney's decision to stay in the race, and he was under some pressure from uh, people within his own camp to pull out at the weekend, but his decision to stay in the race means that that process is still alive. So it can change. The likelihood of it changing, it seems to me, uh, is, 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 is small, but it can change as long as the process is Because the reality is, is, Kate, that even if, as I understand it from Fiat's excellent tracker, and I'd recommend everybody check in and have a look at that, even if um, Simon Coveney won the membership vote by uh, by a factor of six to one or seven to one, which is not which is not going to happen, um, he still wouldn't have enough to to claw back the. Well, the what Fiat's tracker essentially is is a poll. Um, it's the first thing. And um, and and, really. and there's no vote cast yet. The poll is a representative. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a statement of intent. No one's cast a mm. vote, and we That's all true. know when we all know when we go out mm. can- when I go out canvassing. You know, there's sort of a thing. If ten people tell you they vote for you, only three of them will. My father always told me when we were canvassing. So I mean, if we go by that, sure, we're going to win. Do you know what I mean? Mm. If if seventy percent of them aren't telling the truth, do you know what I mean? I so it depends what way you swing it. But to to refer to what uh, what uh, Pat said there, I mean, essentially, to my mind, what happened looking at it now is that, you know, you had a, a, a layer of, of people that were there supporting Leo Varadkar and then you had a critical mass formed and then the momentum built up mm. and it was like, you know, exactly as you said, get on the train or, you know, don't come to me or whatever. To me, it's not un- insurmountable because if you get a good proportion of both other electric, electoral colleges and if you have the undeclared, the majority of them actually voting for Simon Coveney, all you really have to do this is, is the swing under, six undeclareds or in the parliamentary party. Yes, but so I gather there's only about half seven, a dozen of those seven, left. Seven, I don't even know of whom, of whom half won't vote. So, yeah. so all you really have to do yeah. is swing seven, and and you're you're, you're away. And uh, it is it is possible. It is possible. It is not impossible, but something massive has to change. Yes, yeah, there has to be something that changes the dynamic of the campaign entirely, like a shock development or something. It's not completely unexpected happens at the hostings. Peeling a few. It has to be like a campaign defining moment that suddenly leads to this 
a tsunami in the opposite direction, mm. away from one candidate to the other. That is the only, yeah, that is the only <laughs> thing that's going to change a wall. it. And like, a wall. That's, that's not unheard of in campaigns. So yeah. like, for that reason, I think Simon Coveney was absolutely correct to hang in there. Like, who knows what will happen? Like, who could have foreseen that? Like, I'm not there was a very good chance he was going to pull out, was there, Kate, on Saturday? Well, I don't know, because I was, I, I was, I was in Clare with him Friday night, and I was speaking to him, I think, around three o'clock, no, half two on my way to Cork. So there's only about 12 hours where I hadn't been in contact. So I wasn't aware of that. But like when you talk about massive things happening, like the majority of the councillors in Clare support Simon Coveney. The majority of the members in Clare support Simon Coveney. And yet you have two uh, members of the Oireachtas and you have three three members of the Oireachtas. You have um, two, a a minister, a TD and a senator, all supporting Leo Varadkar. So, I mean... When we talk about Chuck the Dola, okay, those members there are, I am I'm aware of the fact that they are getting on to their elected uh, representatives and sure, look, that's up to them what they do with the information. I fully believe that um, this is a, a campaign, it's a proper mm. political campaign and tomorrow night we're starting the hustings and that's where we're going to see the difference between the two candidates. Two excellent candidates but distinctly different in their approach to things. To be fair to Simon Coveney at the rally last night, there was a sense that it was a campaign and there was an appreciation from the members present that he had taken the time and the effort to come up to Cavan, they came from around to listen to him and to ask questions. So to give him his credit, he has proceeded with this. It would have been the easier thing to just kind of shut up shop and say, I'm not doing this, I'm not putting the organisation through it. But he hasn't. And I think if the result looks like it goes the way it will go, even the exercise of doing so has given an indication of the choice that faces Fine Gael. They are two different distinct approaches within the Fine Gael kind of historical philosophy. And we are, we are now going to get a chance to... F- to flush that out. So we're going to get a chance to tease out Leo Varadkar's positions and Simon Coveney's positions on various matters. And I want to come to those issues just straight after this break. You're listening to the Inside Politics podcast from the Irish Times. Remember, you can find us on irishtimes.com slash podcast or you can subscribe via iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. We have been asked to plug an event on the podcast today with political and economic turmoil on both sides of the Atlantic. What does it mean for Ireland's economic recovery? You can join leading politicians and business leaders as they address the challenges and discuss the opportunities at the Irish Times Economic Summit 2017. Opportunity from uncertainty. There's a question mark at the end of that. Uh, And that's taking place on Tuesday, May the 30th in the Shelburne Hotel in Dublin. You can buy tickets online while stocks last at irishtimes.com slash economic summit and just to say that terms and conditions apply. And you're welcome back. Still with me in studio, Pat Leahy, Fiat Kelly and Kate O'Connell. Um, we were just talking, Fiat was just mentioning before the break, uh, the question of what are the issues here as opposed to just what are the personalities in which there's been a huge focus. Kate, we had uh, Finch O'Toole on the line as we as we do uh, here in the Irish Times on a regular basis uh, last weekend talking about his piece in the newspaper which was essentially arguing that there was no difference between Simon Coveney and Leo Varadkar, that they were identical right-of-centre politicians who came from similar backgrounds. There's been quite a lot of evidence since then that that's not fully the case. Yeah, well, I would see um, Simon Coveney being um, slightly more more left um, than Leo Varadkar very much. And I think that's definitely come out with the policies, uh, the policy launches of both candidates. I mean, the reason I'm supporting Simon Coveney is because ideologically I'd be pretty much aligned with him on most on most issues. He firmly believes in equality of opportunity. He firmly believes in something that I firmly believe in, that when you're elected, you don't just represent the people that voted for you. You represent people 
that didn't vote for you too. He, um, ha- and he speaks about it all the time, he had a very, I suppose, privileged upbringing and he sees it as um, his, his duty to... Does that mean uh, that give- Leo doesn't believe in equality of opportunity? Well, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if he, he does. I assume he does because it's on the wall in the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party or something we all believe in. But um, it depends, I suppose, it depends, it depends what uh, your focus is on. And for Simon Coveney, his focus is on giving people, I suppose, a leg up rather than a handout, um, helping people um, on the fringes of society, but also protecting those people that, that keep the country going. So he's, he's very much, I suppose, in tune with the urban situation, the rural situation, and obviously his experience in, 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 in Europe to me is very essential here as well, that he's been over there, done a term there. So when he is Taoiseach and when he takes on the next phase of Brexit negotiations, he will seamlessly move into that role. Is, is there an argument, Pat, that these two candidates do represent the, the two long-standing traditions or strands within Fine Gael? I think so. You know, when you say long-standing, I think probably definable from the 1960s onwards. Simon Coveney has spoken himself a lot about the just society. Leo Varadkar had a dig at, uh, at that at his for, launch on Monday. For the benefit of our, of our less mature listeners, what was the Just Society? A Just Society was a document produced in the 1960s by Declan Costello and defined, I think, a more social democratic approach within Fine Gael. It was the animating force behind the Gareth Fitzgerald era. And I think so that liberal has, and social issues, yes, and perhaps more yes, slightly more centre left on the responsibility of the state, of the to state people towards, who are more disadvantaged. You know, towards yeah. a, a more in, inclusive uh, uh, approach towards social policy and so forth. And combined with that, then the other the other school within Fine Gael has been the more Christian democratic, which would be more identified with the likes of John Bruton, possibly economically more right wing. And I think it would be fair to cast both candidates the, uh, in, in this contest as coming from those uh, those different schools. I don't think that they would dispute that. And to talk about, you know, centre-right or centrist, centre-left, talk about social democratic, Christian democratic, these aren't just political tags or political labels that it is convenient to use when describing people. They mean something. Mm-hmm. They mean a different approach to politics, difference in ideas towards the role of the state, the role of the state in people's lives, the roles of the, sta- the state in the economy. And broadly speaking, I think the two candidates come from those traditions within Fine Gael. Now, I wouldn't overstate the differences. OK, but can I ask you something about that then in relation to Leo Varadkar? Because in, his, in the early stages of his career as a councillor and as a, as a young TD and before he became a, a government minister in 2011, on a number of occasions he said extremely extremely disparaging things about Gareth Fitzgerald's government of the 1980s. He, he then, his rough corners seem to be smoothed out a bit by entering the, the corridors of power. But is there, do his underlying beliefs remain in as much as we can discern what they are? And are they perhaps in some ways closer to the, the element of Fine Gael that decamped the PDs for, mm. for a generation and then came back? I, I think that is part of what this process is about. Interrogating both candidates and teasing out their beliefs and teasing out the approach that they would take to particular policy questions within um, uh, w- within government were they were they to lead that government. People in the Labour Party, you say that their greatest achievement over the course of uh, the last government was to make a social democrat out of Leo Varadkar. I think that that would be overstating things uh, by some uh, by, by some distance, but it is true. I think that exposure to 
government office tends to convince Irish politicians of the virtues of state intervention. And I think that happened to some degree with uh, with Leo Varadkar. Was he tacked back a bit to the back towards the right a little I bit in the course of his campaign? What he has so done is discerned that he is in an election campaign and he's talking to that electorate. I think the result of the last general election would suggest that the electorate as a whole is more in the just society space than it is in the Christian democratic space. But Fine Gael as a party is more in the Christian democratic space or is dominated, or uh, I think is more receptive to the sort of messages that, um, uh, that, 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 uh, that Leo Varadkar is putting out that come from that school of thought. They're coming from both schools, but there is a degree of nuance to the positions that Varadkar the other day said, you know, I reject the labels of the 30, 40 years ago, which was a dig at the Just Society approach. But then he said, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm a centrist, I'm like Emmanuel Macron. I'm, uh, I want to take the best of both left and right. So I think you know, from a econo- traditionally economic perspective, he would be of that Christian Democrat opinion, but his social policy perhaps wouldn't be of a course with traditional so, so, so John he's a liberal with a small he's a liberal L, with a small economically. L. So that's what he's looking to bring Just in relation to that, we're talking about him so much. Let's hear a little bit of him speaking on primetime last night because he was asked about this. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people who are turned off in politics, particularly uh, younger middle-aged voters, uh, people who don't vote at all. And I think they're more likely to listen to Fine Gael, more likely to consider uh, us as a political party uh, if I'm at the helm. Uh, and I think I can bring you know, new interest uh, and new possibility to politics. Really? Because Simon Coveney has made a big deal out of uh, trying to appeal across classes, across mm. all uh, sectors of the community, harking back to Gareth Fitzgerald and the Just Society and everything. You'd be seen as a, a more divisive figure, surely? Uh, I don't think that's true. Um, and, you know, certainly uh, there have been any number of opinion polls that have been done uh, on this issue and almost all of them uh, have the public favouring me. And, you know, that's uh, um, across most regions, both genders um, and almost all age groups. Well, there you are. Uh, not divisive at all, Pat. Uh, more attractive across all regions, all demographics. The opinion polls, I think, are would suggest as much of a muchness between in terms of what the public as a at, at, at large would prefer. The margin of error within polls, the spread of polls would suggest that there's no definitive evidence one way or another that the public is excited or uh, are repulsed to a large degree by uh, by either man. There has been in the past uh, some indication that amongst Fine Gael members, or rather amongst Fine Gael voters, we haven't had a poll of Fine Gael members, but amongst Fine Gael voters that, uh, that the, the, the difference between the two men is uh, sufficiently small uh, and, and sufficiently inconsistent to, uh, to suggest that Fine Gael voters would take, uh, would take either package. Well, if, if, if that's the case, and Pat is right, and I'm sure he is, Kate, then the question, I suppose, is that it seems to me that, that Leo Varadkar's pitch to the party membership over the, over the last week or so has been the one that was closer to the failed electoral strategy last year. Um, yeah, very much so. I see a lot of similarities in it. Um, and, but just, I mean, one of the major, what I'm hearing, Annie, was one of the major selling points for Leo Varadkar was there will be a bounce in the polls and therefore people in marginal seats um, would obviously be more secure. And as Pat just outlined, that just does not um, materialise when you look at the data. And also so when you're looking... When you're, I don't know, but, but when, you're, when, you're, when, you're, when you're looking at... I mean, you have to be asking people who are actually going to go out and vote. They might say who they you know, would vote for.
But actually, are these people that go out and vote? But I would just like to say that, I mean, social justice is not a dated ideology. It's an evolving thing. It's something that, I mean, I firmly believe in and that, you know, that it's sort of a fluid situation. You have to respond to the challenges that society brings up, such as Brexit, such as the housing crisis, such as all of these things that, you know, have emerged over the years. So it's not, you know, I suppose suppose a policy. It's more sort of an ideology. And to me, that's really important. So would you be worried about the direction Fine Gael might Absolutely, very much so. Very, very much so. Um, I think that uh, Fine Gael has has uh, had a. I wasn't in there in the the previous um, um, when we were in government the previous time, but um, I mean a lot of work was done. A lot of people went through, and and the Labour Party as well um, suffered greatly um, as a result of having to make very, very serious choices. And now that we have, I suppose, the 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 sovereignty of our our country secure, and we are, I suppose, in, in a more positive place. Um, Simon Coveney firmly believes it's now time to address some of the social issues in Ireland in a very comprehensive way and not just sticking a plaster on a cut. Actually getting down to the root problem as to why people are on the margins of society and for example um, his, his housing policy where you know that a child would not have a label on the back stuck on their back as to say you're from X housing estate in there and we all know I mean I grew up in the 80s I don't know what age any lads are but I mean, there was, I suppose... Yes. A, I'm afraid he was older than you. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, there, there was that. I mean, I was brought up in a sort of middle of nowhere in Westmeath. Um, but there was, you know, there were the kids, you know, from inside. or that. You know, there was that. And um, no, I wasn't from a particularly well-off background or anything. But, I mean, we, we did sort of turn our noses up to some extent. And I'm obviously now I'm totally different about things like that. But No, I should tell you that my alarm clock was set for six o'clock this morning and I got out of bed well, less than an hour after that, uh, just, just so everybody should know that. So... I fit firmly within Leo Varadkar's demographic, uh, Kate, of those who get up early in the morning. Um, but a lot of people felt that that statement over the course of the weekend was very exclusionary and possibly even insulting to some people. Yeah, I find it very, I suppose, it, it excludes an awful lot of people in society who um, can't get out of bed for whatever reason. Um, perhaps they have no reason to get out of bed. There's something in their lives that, you know, renders it that they're, they're not positive about their lives. So um, to me... Um, you don't want to be focusing in one particular um, section of society um, to the exclusion of everybody else. And um, to me, that's, you know, that's emerging to me as, as one of the most fundamental differences between the two candidates. One is for a more global approach to Ireland and one is honing in on perhaps the 30-35% um, potential um, middle Fine Gael vote, maximum Fine Gael vote that's potentially there. Um, but also when you're targeting people, you have to make sure that they're actually people that um, are, are, in, are, I suppose, connected enough with politics um, to actually be interested and to go out and vote at the end of the day. Just a couple of points on what we've heard over the last few minutes. And the Leo Varadkar clip about I'm the more popular choice, he was six months ago before people actually started somewhat thinking about it in the public mind. So if you go back to last autumn, he was well ahead amongst uh, when the choice was put to people in polls. That's since narrowed, as Pat said, to be pretty much non-existent. Yeah, Depends on which part. Statistically, there's not much yeah, to, it's, to there's, there's not much. So their, their message hasn't changed since last September when, you know, I will get you more votes. Well, in fact, the polls actually show that you might not. The but, second but, but, but can I just ask in relation to that, there is a sort of a perception, maybe regardless of that, of that data, that Leo's a better TV performer, that he'll work better on a poster, that there's always a question when there's a 
job when somebody's stood down from a job and, and somebody else is going to replace them that they're that they're the opposite of the person who went before and the big criticism of Enda Kenny mm. was he was a weak media performer and that's been well, one of the things that's benefited Leo mm. Radker hasn't it? You, you have to take into account uh, and people are referring to it and I know it, it drives uh, Simon Coveney's supporters mad when people talk about the X factor with Leo Varadkar but it, it, there is an appeal he has an appeal to an awful lot of people who believe he is different to other politicians who believes he tells us that it is. This is one of the things that came out in Series of Irish Times focus groups some time ago. Now, that is always a sort of a campaigning tool. I've made the point here before that the perception that you're not really a politician is unlikely to outlast your occupancy of the Taoiseach's office. Mm. That is to say, if Leo Varadkar becomes Taoiseach, it will become obvious to many people that actually he is in fact uh, a politician. But it doesn't negate the fact that he has demonstrated an appeal to talk over the heads uh, of many, uh, much of political discourse to people directly. And that has the potential to be an enormous strength for him, at least in campaigning terms, if not in governing terms, when, uh, if and when he becomes... Do you, the other thing is that we, we put everything about Leo Varadkar's appeal to date has largely been predicated on his celebrity amongst a section of the population who won't vote. And it's true that he will probably enthuse people who previously weren't engaged in politics. And the polling that was done last autumn and even through to now was done on the basis of just his personality. We didn't see much read of his policy and governing philosophy until now. So it's going to be interesting to see if what the public are now seeing of him will change their perception of him. So the stuff we've been talking about, you know, about the Christian Democratic, slightly right of centre tradition of Fine Gael, does that appeal to the voters, to those same voters who looked at him as someone who has the X factor? I think that's going to be really interesting over the next while. For this campaign, is does it appeal to the electorate in this election, mm-hmm. which is Fine Gael members, mm-hmm. Fine Gael TDs, Fine Gael... And what do uh, Fine Gael members... I was looking... Fiac has some really interesting numbers in today's paper, Kate, which are about Fine Gael members and where they are, where they're clustered around mm. the country. And they were quite surprising to me. For example, yeah. there seem to be more Fine Gael members in Cork than there are in Dublin. Which, yeah, very uh, much which so. Is, I think... Which, I mean, I'll just off the top of my head, I think it's like whatever, it got to 22,000 and you're looking about you know, only 3,000 or something are Dublin members. Very few, yeah. very few Off the top Dublin. of my head... Just, just to refer to the X factor, I mean, when it comes to a Taoiseach, I don't want a celebrity. I want a statesman. I want somebody who I can send out, go out, I'd be proud of him on the international stage. They can deal with a vast array of issues. It's completely different to being a, a, to being a government minister because you're dealing with one place, one department. When you are the Taoiseach, and as everybody knows, and all you guys know from looking at Enda Kenny, he knew about everything going on in Leinster House. He had urban going on. He had rural going on. He had ag going on. He had Europe going on. And that is what I'm looking for. Just to refer, I think the differences have become very, very apparent at the hustings. And you refer to um, that perhaps that um, um, Leo Valkyrie better TV performance. I mean, any journalist that has been any at any of Simon Coveney's rallies or at the launch of his policy um, document on Sunday morning, I think it was, in the Dean Hotel, Simon Coveney does not need notes. He knows his brief in that he's been thinking about his vision for Ireland for a long time now. He can just talk off the cuff. When people ask him questions, he can answer them off the cuff the, in comparison to perhaps the way um, the, the other candidate um, performed. When you talk about the best person on a poster, I mean, I firmly believe, as somebody who's run two election campaigns for myself, but multiple campaigns down, down in the Midlands, it is solely the responsibility of me as a candidate to get my seat. When I was campaigning in Dublin Bay South, people didn't talk about Enda Kenny at all. Well, maybe one in a hundred houses maybe mentioned. 
I didn't get rid of anybody. Well, why did the party move screw? I'm just, if you wouldn't mind letting me finish. So I don't think there's any relevance really to the head, the actual physical image on a poster. I don't the think... The leader matters. I don't, it does matter, but I don't think it is, you know, the most important thing um, to have X person with X, Y or Z factor for that matter. And also, I think, between the TV performances, this image on the poster and the bounce myth, there are three key reasons why many people saw Leo Varadkar as the winning guy in this. And I think those myths will um, will be um, gotten rid of. And then speaking the of hustings. myths, I mean, Pat referred to uh, Leo Varadkar's People have often observed the fact that he he seems like an observer, an interested observer, rather than a direct participant in the political process. Simon Coveney suggested in an interview on Today FM a couple of days ago that Leo Varadkar had almost deliberately chosen a not particularly challenging ministry in which he could maintain that sort of disinterested posture, while Simon Coveney took on the tough work of dealing with the well, worst I crisis. I don't know the because country. I'm not privy to any of that information. But all I do know is that Simon Coveney specifically went out and asked for housing. Now, he did joke the other night that he actually forgot that it had water included in it at the time. (laughs) He he didn't notice that at the time. But um, he went out and took a difficult brief because he wanted to make a difference. And when I was canvassing um, during the election, obviously people recognised the fact that um, Fianna Gael and Labour had uh, had brought the country back from the brink. People were very, very concerned about economic issues, but they were also very, very concerned about the refugee crisis, about homelessness in Ireland and all of those sorts of issues. So I believe that Simon Coveney uh, took on a difficult brief, rolled up his sleeves and anybody who's watched it, you look at him and Damien English and Maria Bailey as chair of the housing committee. I mean, they are fully focused on sorting out the housing crisis in Ireland and they're coming up with many solutions and approaching it from loads of different angles so that if one particular element of it does not work out, it doesn't just fall flat on its face. And if he takes the same approach to being leader of this country as he has to housing, we'll be in a great place as a country. Finally, Fiac, is this a good thing for Fine Gael that there is still a contest and a contest is going to take place? And is it going to tell Fine Gael some things it perhaps needs to know about itself and maybe the country needs to yeah, know about it? Yeah, I think it is a good thing that, that, that the race is continuing, that we now have a focus on the party for a week. We have a focus on not only the policies, but the choice facing the party and probably the choice facing the country. Because if Leo Varadkar wins, there's probably going to be a clearer choice facing the electorate at the next election than there would be if Simon Coveney won, because Michal Martin and Simon Coveney are quite not only geographically close, but quite politically close. Whereas the choice facing the country would be more defined if Leo Varadkar takes over. I don't think that's a fair comment to say that Michal Martin and Simon Coveney are very much aligned. You have to accept that Michal Martin's governing philosophy is closer to Simon Coveney's than it is to Leo Varadkar. You've just said that he was more left himself than Leo Varadkar. I know, but I I would dispute that correlation now. I think it's unfair. No, they're all different parties, but Simon Coveney, you went as far as saying he's going to commission a white paper on the United Ireland by the end of the year, which is precisely what Michal Martin is doing. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there is a correlation there, but I don't think you can pr- line the two of them up together as being hand in hand, the same okay, kind look, of I'll guy. take the point. Yeah. I'll, yes, I'll put it at this They are more similar. Than it's the most, insult- it's the most insulting thing you could say about <laughs> any potential Fine Gael leader. But I think really. it is a good thing that suddenly the, the Fine Gael is going to make a choice. And Simon Coveney is not incorrect when he says this is a battle for the soul of the party because it's a battle for the p- direction of the yes. party in some extent. It's a, if, that, if that's the choice facing the country, the country may have a chance this week to get a look at what it's going to be asked to do in the next few years. There is a choice. There is a choice facing Fine Gael and it is, I I, I think, a reasonably well-defined choice in terms of the two philosophies uh, within the party that we have 
previously discussed. But that's not the only part of the choice as well. There's also a choice between the political abilities of the two men uh, in question. And I sense that it is uh, as much that as the choice between Christian Democratic and Just Society that uh, is animating. So the efficiency of the shock and awe approach of the first couple of days of the campaign speak to Leo Varadkar's efficiency as a, as a politician? He's a very accomplished politician and media performer and he has demonstrated that in his preparation and application uh, at this okay, task. A, a, a very, very last word, if you wouldn't mind then, Kate. On, I just think on that Ireland has moved so much in the last uh, 30 years and that definitely the people of Ireland are more aligned with the social justice ideology rather than the Christian democratic uh, um, ideology. Oh, definitely. The pudding on that. Thanks very much indeed for joining us today. And that's it for this edition of Inside Politics. Thanks to Kate Fiek and Pat for joining us today. Thanks also to our producer Jennifer Ryan and our engineer JJ Vernon. Remember, you can mail me at hlinhan at irishtimes.com or you can find me on Twitter. But until the next time, goodbye and thanks very much for listening.